Thank you, Brother Vaughn and the orchestra. And uh, this morning we are privileged uh, to have a very special friend and uh, preacher uh, come and fill the pulpit uh, while our pastor is away. And uh, Brother Brian Senses uh, has been a longtime missionary. Uh, he's been serving uh, in the country of uh, uh, Uganda for the last uh, 21 year, uh, for the past 21 years until two years ago, where uh, God led him uh, to come back to the states. He and his wife and uh, to serve at, uh, as a professor at uh, West Coast Baptist College uh, under the ministry of Pastor Chapel at uh, Lancaster Baptist Ch- uh, Church. And uh, we've known, Pastor has known, and our church has known um, uh, Brother Stensis since he started his ministry uh, in Uganda, in Africa. And over that time, the 20, over 21 years there, uh, he's, uh, God has led him to start 15 different churches uh, three different radio ministries, uh, as well as the Bible Institute there, and most importantly, leading many souls uh, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then even beyond that, what impresses me most about Brother Senses is the godly heritage that he has, that he has raised. Uh, he has raised three godly children who are now in Uganda that our church has the privilege of supporting them. And uh, you've, uh, uh, many of them, all of them, in fact, have come through our church. Recently, uh, the, the eldest, uh, Brother Keith, uh, has been our keynote speaker in our last uh, missions conference. And, uh, so, and uh, so we are so privileged uh, to be uh, part of uh, the census uh, ministry and their lives. And uh, we're in for a treat today, and we're so privileged uh, that he was able to fly up uh, last night uh, to spend the day with us today. So as Pastor said, I hope that you will give your heart to God, but your ears uh, to the preacher this morning. And uh, But we're so privileged to have you here. Thank you for being our friend, and thank you for being just a godly testimony uh, to us and our church and being a friend to our pastor. Thank you. Thank you, sir. What a blessing it is to be here, and a real honor for me. Uh, to be able to be here with you. Uh, Again, we've known your pastor for many, many years before he ever became a pastor. And just to see what God has done in this place is just absolutely amazing. But that should not surprise us because our God does those things. Amen? And uh, to see you out here this morning is a blessing. Uh, I hate to preach to chairs. I like to preach to people. We just came back from Uganda here just a couple, uh, well, this one week ago. Uh, We took some students over there, and, uh, boy, we had a wonderful time. How many of you ever eaten grasshoppers? God bless you, brother. Somebody's educated in this place. Amen. Oh, man, we we got them into all kinds of stuff. And uh, they came back... uh, educated let's just say and we brought we're going to have a missionary joshua camp uh down there in uh, july and so you know with all the high school kids and everything trying to get their hearts uh turned to missions and so we brought some grasshoppers and little silver fish and some g-nut sauce and all that stuff so we're going to have them try it so uh you might want to come down for that that'd be a blessing to you amen Well, it is good to be here. God bless you. My wife sends her greetings uh, as well. Uh, She's just a wonderful, godly lady, and and, I already miss her. You say, but you've been gone one day. You don't know my wife. She is a wonderful lady. Turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 
As I was out in the village the other day, there right on the equator, uh, we have a church. Uh, my son Keith established a church just right there on the equator, about 100 meters from the, or 100 yards from the, the, uh, the actual equator itself. And uh, was able to speak there. And, and while I was there, God just really burdened my heart about this message. So many of us, we want to get into the deep things. But I think we've missed some of the very basic things about Christianity and the Word of God. And, and, and I think trying to get maybe deeper and, and we deal with our problems of life and, and yet we don't go back and, and really take a good look at, uh, at the very beginning. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 5, thank you for standing in honor of God's word. I appreciate that. That is our habit in, in Uganda as well. Uh, we, God says he honors his word even above his name. And so I think we should do the same. In verse number 5, the Bible says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. A very simple verse, but I think many times we do not examine ourselves. And this morning I'd like all of us, if you're visiting with us, thank you for being here. You're our guest, but I want you to examine yourself this morning. If you are a church member, I thank you for the privilege Brother Fong has given me to address you as a church body. And I hope this morning that you will examine yourself. As I preached in that village on the equator just a week and a half ago, uh, the pastor's father was in the audience and his uncle was in the audience. And thank God at the end of that service, both of them, along with five others, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Many times we we go through life and we just kind of assume. But I want you to examine yourself this morning to see whether you be in the faith or not. May we pray this morning. Father, Lord, thank you for being our God. There's no other place that we can go. There's so many that have other gods, but yet there are no gods at all. And Lord, you are our God. And you have blessed us beyond our wildest imaginations. Being lost and reprobate in this world, you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on that cross of Calvary. You gave yourself that we might have eternal life, and that life more abundantly. So many people, just like me, were going through life, church members, And yet for 26 years, going to church, perfect attendance for 13 years in a row. 
yet did not have eternal life. And I pray, Father, this morning that as we look at the scriptures that each one of us would examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith, that we might prove ourselves, lest we be reprobate. Father, bless us, bless this service, exalt yourself, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you may be seated. I'd like to talk to you this morning about trust. One of the most difficult things in in Uganda is to go over there and teach on faith. Because faith, when you boil it down, is trust. You trust someone. Uh, After years, I ask my my people, how many of you? And I'll I'll ask you the same question, but don't raise your hands. I'm not here to embarrass anybody. But how many of you trust your father? Not one hand went up in the entire in the entire auditorium because not one of the Ugandans trusts their own father. I said, "How many of you trust your mother?" Surely they would trust their mother. Not one person had trust even in their mother. I said, "How about a brother or a sister?" None. How about cousin brothers, relations? They don't trust the police because they're the biggest criminals there is. They don't trust their government because it's corrupt from top to bottom. Who do you trust? No one. They live in a culture, and we go over there as missionaries, and we are to teach them to have faith in God. Trust in God. They have no concept of trust. So they have no concept of faith. Every man is out to get his own. They spend whatever they have every day. There's no no concept of saving Because somebody may come and take it from you tomorrow. And so they live day to day. They live hand to mouth. They they live for themselves. And they have no idea of trust. Now a missionary comes in and starts trying to tell them, have faith in God. They have no concept of what you're talking about. Why would I trust God? I can't trust anybody else. And so this idea of trust, I want you to think this morning. First of all, have you ever had somebody lie to you? Any of you? Have you some? <laughs> uh, the rest of you that didn't raise your hands, you're probably lying. Everybody's had somebody lie to them. They said, well, I'll be there at 2 o'clock. They didn't show. Uh, Well, circumstances come up. Well, that's still true, but you broke your word. Everybody's had somebody lie to them. Uh, Have you ever lost something? Has anybody ever lost something? Huh? How many of you ever lost something? Sure. 
we, we put it someplace that we knew that we wouldn't forget where it's at so we'd remember the next time and now we can't find it. We can't trust our memory. You ever forgot something? My wife and I do battle back and forth trying to remember things that we have forgotten. Do you ever, have you ever really thought that you, you knew something, you were just so sure about it only to find out later you were wrong? Any of you like that? So can I trust you? Can you really trust yourself? The only one that we can actually trust in life is God. Preachers make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. As missionaries, we've made mistakes. How many times have you, you said to yourself, boy, if I could go back and do that again, I would do it differently. Why? Because you made mistakes. You messed up. You did not do what you said. This is God's Word. God has never made a mistake. God has never forgotten anything. God has never messed up. He's never lied. He's never deceived anybody. He is 100% right. This book has been proven accurate in all of the prophetic things that the prophets have prophesied. They have come to pass exactly even to the day that they were supposed to. The historical accuracy. I remember when I was in Bible college many moons ago. They had really blasted Christians for years because there were some people called in the Bible Hittites. But yet, there's no other record. There's no other books. There's nothing in, in history that ever mentioned the Hittites except the Bible. They, the, the Bible talks about Ebla that had a king by the name of Eber. You read it in the Bible. That's the only book that ever talked about it. And so the, the philosophers and the scientists and the historians and all these people kept throwing rocks at Christians and saying, the Bible is wrong. And there was no such things as, as Ebla. There was no king of Eber. Until 1975. And the archaeologists were digging and they uncovered an empire. And a city by the name of Ebla. And when they burnt the city, which was the customs when they overtook cities, they burned it. And they burned the library as well. But when you burn these coliform tablets, the, the clay tablets, it just makes a brick out of them and it preserves them. And as they found... Some of the maps that had been drawn, and here there's mention of the Hittites. 
And it geographically located them on the map where they were. And they sent groups up to start digging. And they found the people called the Hittites. My friend, the Bible is accurate. No matter what scientists say, no matter what historians say, no matter what politicians say, the Word of God is true 100% cover to cover. You can trust the Word of God. You might tell me that I should invest in this particular stock. (laughs) I am not going to trust you. You say, how come? Uh, How you doing so far? How many of you are filthy rich? Uh, You're not doing so hot. So I shouldn't necessarily trust you. There's people that give advice all the time. And there's people that put advice in the newspapers and, and given marital advice. And yet their marriages are on the rock. A lot of these people that tell you to do something and yet their lives are miserable. The politicians have the answers. How they doing? The financial gurus over in Greece, how they doing? In Spain, in all these different countries, how they doing? They look at us and say, you people are a bunch of idiots. Wait a minute, I didn't bankrupt their country. They did. Those that are supposed to know, they don't know. So I have to make a determination. Am I going to trust them? Am I going to trust you? I don't even trust me. But I can trust this book. My emotions, although I'm a man, I'm not quite like a woman to where their emotions are like a roller coaster sometimes. But men are emotional too. And you find that you get very angry at times when there's really nothing much to get angry about. We are people of emotion. You'll look at somebody and because of the the nationality, the race, or whatever, you don't like them. But yet, when you get to know them, they're pretty good folks. I can't trust your emotions. I can't trust mine. I must trust the Word of God. The Bible said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, that we have a more sure word of prophecy. Even though Peter on that mount was looking at Jesus Christ in his glorified body and saw the men of God there with him and come down off of that mountain, he writes down, we have a more sure word of prophecy than what I've seen. I don't trust my sight. I trust in God's Word. You can trust the Word of God. Now I want you to think with me. If God's Word is not true, then we're wasting our time this morning. 
were, were, were foolish for being in church. We're foolish in giving our money and an offering to a God that does not exist. Because if this word is not true, then God is not true. And God does not exist. You and I then are no more than animals. That are just going to die and turn to dust someday. Our life does not account for anything. I have a sister-in-law and a brother-in-law that are... Total atheists. Their son, my nephew, jumped off the Golden State Bridge here. They never found him. How do you comfort someone who does not even believe there is a God? There is no comfort. If this Bible is not true, there is no salvation, there is no heaven, there is no hell. Life is absolutely meaningless. There is no right or wrong. I can do anything that I want to do because it's right to me. If the word of God is not true. But my friends, the word of God is true. And because it is true, there is a God, Jehovah God, that wrote this book that is perfect. When that which is perfect is come, the word of God. And you and I can trust the word of God. But when we come to this point that we actually understand that this is the Word of God and it is true, you must take it all. You can't be a strawberry Christian. You know these farms where you go out and you can, they'll let you go out and pick strawberries and you go down the row and you say, I like that one, so I'll pick that and put it in the basket, but these others... Well, they look good, but they're not just what I want, so I'll get the bigger ones. And and you pick and choose what you want. You don't do that with this book. You either take it all, or you take none of it. Either it's all true, or none of it is true. God has given us His promises. Look in Genesis chapter chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We'll be back there for a little bit, so go ahead and turn to that that portion of your Bible. Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says, But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now listen to me. God's word is true. And what Satan tries to do is get us to doubt God's word. We talked in Sunday school about the family. If you don't believe God is and that he's a rewarder, your family's going to be a mess. God's going to bless. There's only one way and that's God's way. 
Anything else is going to fail. It really will. Oh, it might be okay for a little bit, but just like sin, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but uh, judgment's coming. And the same thing with this. Satan will try to get people to deny God's word. What did God say here? He said, Adam, the day that you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will die. Now, look over in chapter 3. Chapter 3 and verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said... Did God say, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What did he begin to do? He began to get Eve to doubt or question God's word. That's what people do all the time. They try through rationalizing or justifying, get you in a scenario to get you to doubt the word of God. Whether this is God's word or whether that's what God really wants. Or what he does not want. Satan gets people to question God's word. Now listen, it's either true or it's not true. Now God said, the day that you eat the fruit thereof, ye shall surely die. Adam and Eve took the fruit. I believe it was grapefruit. Say why? Because they have them grapefruit diets. You remember them? You, you eat grapefruit because grapefruit eats your fat. Anything that eats me, I'm not putting in my mouth. That's just not. That's not a good thing. You can believe whatever fruit it is you want, but God said you're going to die. They didn't fall over dead. So did God lie? No, you see, man is, is created in the image of God, in a triune being, a body, a soul, and the spirit. And that day, the spirit of man, the way man can know God through the spirit, died. Now, he is relegated to living in a body and a soul. Through the mind, the will, and the emotions, that's what guides him now. You cannot know God through the body. Many people try to do that through meditation. They're going to get to know God. They're going to meditate. And, and through the, the being a vegan and all this, that, and the other, and it has certain vibes and all that, get, God said, slay and eat. Give me that beefsteak. Amen. But you can't know God through the body. You can know about the world, but you can't know God. You can, you can intellectually know about God, but you can't know God just by getting more smarts. You have a lot of people that have doctored and PhDs and stuff like this, and they're dumb as a box of rocks. They're lost as they can be. They do not know God. They do not, they deny this word and, and the, the savior of, of this book. They're not as smart as they think. You can't just educate yourself to God. You can't just decide one day, okay, I'm going to go to heaven. Your will will not get you to heaven. 
The only way to know God is when God quickens that spirit, makes you whole again in body, soul, and spirit. That's why in Ephesians 2, 1, he says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. God says, Thou shalt surely die. Look in verse number 4. Satan goes on and he says, And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall, what? Not surely die. After they get you to question God's word, then they will just totally deny what God has said. Even the Pope the other day said, we do not need this book anymore. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Who changed the glory of the incorruptible God. They changed God. They try to do the same thing that the serpent, the Satan did here in the garden. They're denying the word of God. They're changing the things of God. God says that man is separated from him. He is lost, completely lost. Satan says, don't worry, you're okay. That's what your folks in at work now say. Don't, don't worry about it. We're doing all right. You don't need all this religion stuff. You don't need, what is this, saved or this born again stuff. We're okay. That's why other religions, they don't go out soul winning. Why? Because we're all okay. We're all going to kind of get there somehow. Will you believe Satan? Will you believe other men? Will you trust your judgment, yourself? The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 15, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2 says, Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the hearts. What we've got to do is get back and, and finally start believing God's word. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you are here this morning... And you are not a believer, a child of God, born again, whatever you want to call it. You've not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This book, you're going to either have to believe it or totally reject it. God says, all have sinned. That's every person in this building this morning. Every one of us have sinned, and we have come short of the glory of God. What is God's standard? God's standard is 100% perfection. 100% perfection. God is perfect. God is holy. And anything... Anything below perfection, you might be 99%. But you're still lost and still need a Savior. Anything less 
Now, now think with me. Adam and Eve, they're back here in the garden. And they're, the serpent says, look at that fruit. That piece of fruit. Boy, that, that looks pretty good. Did God really say don't eat of every tree of the garden? Well, Eve says, well, you know, we, we're not even supposed to touch it lest we die. Satan says, God didn't say that you can't eat this fruit. This morning, they, you folks gave us a nice, gave me a nice basket in my hotel room. There's all kinds of little goodies in there, enough to make me fatter than a hog. But there was some fruit in there. I looked at that this morning. I said, hmm. I pulled one of them things out, and I took a little bite of fruit. Anything wrong with that? No, no big effort. Boy, it tasted good. That's all Adam and Eve did. They took one bite out of one piece of fruit, and it cast the entire human race on a path to hell. One act of disobedience. Any act of disobedience is punishable by death. In our system, we have different laws, and you can, you can disobey some of the laws, and they'll just fine you. Or they'll have other laws that you break, and, and they may put you in jail. But they have other laws that they'll put you to death. Not so with God. Any act of disobedience to God is punishable by death. It's sin. The wages of sin is death. You don't have to be a bank robber to go to hell. You can be a a nice mother that loves her children. And bust hell wide open. Because you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's sin. Faith is trusting God. Believing God. The absence of trust is unbelief. God said, this is the work that I want you to do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So to reject that and not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is disobedience to God's command. Any act of disobedience is punishable by death in the lake of fire. If you are here this morning... You either accept this book as true or you're going to trust your judgment and already you've proven your judgment is faulty. Or you're going to trust Uncle George or your co-worker and he says you're all right. But we know he makes mistakes too. You'll trust other religions and you can find errors all through religion. But this book is true, and it says 
that any act of disobedience is death. Can I trust you? Can I trust your judgment, the judgment of other people, or do I trust God and his word? The choice is ours. Now, notice what God provides for us, his provision, his substitute. Look in verse number 15. He says in verse number 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The promise that God gave Adam and Eve that he would send forth a Redeemer, Satan would try to destroy that Redeemer, and he would inflict a wound, but the Redeemer would be victorious and crush that serpent, Satan. And you know the story all the way through how Satan has tried over and over to destroy God's plan and destroy and wipe out Israel. Yet they continued and God brought a people called Israel out and his chosen people and the world tried to destroy them. And God through that, while they were throwing the babies into the, into the river, yet God preserved one called Moses. And God used Moses to bring his people out of bondage. And yet Satan continues to try to destroy. And even when Jesus was born, he he told this king, you go out and destroy all these children, you'll, you'll kill that Redeemer. And they destroyed all of those children. But God protected his son and sent him to Egypt. And over and over, Satan has tried to do exactly what's in this verse in destroying the Messiah. And Jesus comes to this point and he comes to the cross. And Satan says, I've got you now. And Jesus Christ gives up his life on that cross. And Satan says, victory. But three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He he rose. He showed himself to 500 at one time and many in different instances and different times. And then ascended up to heaven and sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And has promised to come and return for us. You can trust your buddy or your uncle or aunt or grandma and grandpa or you can trust the Word of God. Which one has never been wrong? This book, and that's the only one. God's provision for us is Jesus Christ, that Redeemer that would give us eternal life. Man says baptism is good enough. Man says, well, if you do some good works and treat other people right and try to keep the Ten Commandments, God said, if you broke one, you've broke them all. You're guilty of all. All are sinners. God also says in John chapter 3, except a man be born again. 
He cannot. He cannot. Satan says he can. Your neighbor says he can. God says he cannot see the kingdom of God. He is lost. He is separated from a holy God. And if he dies in that condition, he will spend eternity in the lake of fire. In John chapter 8 and verse number 24, the Bible says, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that you are lost? Separated from Him. And the only way, not a way, the only way is through Jesus Christ and Him alone. If you believe not that I am He, you'll die in your sins. John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, They're condemned already. Why? Because they've not believed in the only begotten Son of God. You don't have to do anything to die and go to hell. You've already done it. You were born. You were conceived in sin. You were born in sin. We are sinners by nature. And our actions have proven. And our rejection of Christ have proven. So the Bible says we're condemned already. And that's why God says, I sent my son as that redeemer to pay for your price that you would pay in hell. He suffered our punishment so that we might have the eternal life that he so freely has given to us. But it's only through his son. Without that, he says, you are condemned already. Now, let me ask you, what? Are you going to offer God for your substitute? God said, the only substitute I will accept is Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. What are you going to offer to God for your substitute? The only thing he will accept is Jesus Christ. If you try to offer your baptism or your, your religion or your, your, your family or, or your heritage or, or money or whatever, God will not accept it. Why? What was God's standard? 100% perfection. Jesus Christ is the only 100% perfection. He did no sin. There was no guile found in his mouth. He is sinless. And he is that perfect sacrifice for our sin. He will accept no other. That's why you come to this point, and it's just basically your decision. God will not force you to heaven. 
God will not force you to go to hell. He has given man something that an animal does not have. An animal doesn't have a free will. That's why you put your little doggy on that chain. And you say, we're going for a walk. Now, sometimes your little doggy doesn't want to go. Does he go? You better believe he goes. (laughs) You put cattle in a corral or in a fence. You put a bridle in a horse's mouth. Animals are under the control of humans. Man has been given a free will to choose. You either choose right or wrong. You either choose heaven or hell. Whether you go to heaven or hell is not God's choice. God has already provided the way. He provided Jesus Christ. He provided that substitute, that sacrifice for your sin. So you don't have to go. But that decision... Is up to you. If you don't want to go to hell and you want eternal life, God says it's here, it's free. For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's your choice. Whosoever will may come. If you die and go to hell, it's because you choose to go to hell. You choose to reject Jesus Christ. You choose to to reject the sacrifice and the substitute that God has willfully provided for you. It's all up to you. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but He says, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth, he that believeth on Him is not condemned. Hallelujah. Thank God those of you that have believed on Him, you're not condemned. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Thank God for that. But the verse goes on and says, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 1 John 5.10 says, He that believeth, On the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not, God hath made him a liar. You're saying by not receiving Christ, God, you're a liar. I'm not a sinner. I'm not going to hell. I'm okay. I don't need your sacrifice. I don't need Jesus Christ. You're calling God a liar. But he goes on and says in verse number 11, And this is the record that God hath given us, given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life.
He said, I've written these things to you that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. That you might know that you have eternal life. That decision is yours. I can't make it for you. I wish I could. When I'm over in Africa, those people have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in many of those villages. I wish you could have been there as we walked into that pygmy village and all the pygmies start coming out from different parts and and we just set them right down there in the grass and I just took my Bible and and started going around and, and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we had 30 of those little pygmies receive Christ as their Savior. And one of them was the village chief. And as we, he was taking us to another village, another pygmy village, to preach the gospel there. He said, we have never heard that message before. If you're here in this building this morning, you have heard the gospel. That Jesus Christ loves you. That he died on the cross to pay for your sins. And that if you will receive him by faith, he will give you eternal life. It's either true or it's a lie. If it's true, you have only one recourse. All roads don't lead to Rome. There's only one way to heaven. And that's what God said. And it's through Jesus Christ. If you don't go through Him, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh into the Father but by me. If you are not saved this morning, He wants you to come. He wants you to receive Him by faith. But that's your choice. Some young people, they, they, they can't wait to get to the particular age. And then they're, they're out of the house and they're out of church. Why? Because they'd never been saved. Oh, they came to church because mom and dad told them to come and made them come. But Jesus Christ was not living in their heart. You'll have a husband or wife and, and when they die, the, the mate, they quit going to church. Why? Because God was not in their heart. They went simply because their mate wanted them to or forced them to. You have the decision that you will make this morning. Whether you receive Jesus Christ, whether you examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Not whether mom and dad, not whether uncle or aunt, what me, if I am in the faith. If I've truly been born again, if I have ever put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you'll have that decision, that, that possibility of making it. In this church, as in many of our Baptist churches, we have an invitation. God said, invite them to come. So we invite you to come in an invitation. And we have people that will take this Bible, not their opinions. Everybody's got an opinions like a nose and a lot of them smell. You're going to make a decision whether this word is true. And let them take this Bible and show you how you can be saved today and know it. 
And be guaranteed, I know for all those years I grew up in the church and I had no concept of salvation. Never heard the word born again. Never heard the word saved. And when I was over in Spain in the military, a missionary came over and started a church for GIs. An old drunk buddy of mine or drinking buddy that got saved talked me into going out to church. And when I got out there to church, I heard the gospel for the first time in my life. How that I was a sinner. And that God loved me and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on that cross. To pay for my sins. And I realized for the first time that I wasn't okay. I was going to hell. And when they had that invitation, I remember remember sitting back about a few rows back there. and, And I said to myself, I didn't care if the king of Spain was there. I've got to go find out what they're talking about. And I stepped out of there, and the preacher saw me coming, and he came down, and he met me at the front. And he said, what would you come forward for? I couldn't tell him I need to be saved. I'd never heard that before. I didn't know nothing about being born again. I, I said, all I know is I need Jesus. And James Dunn, one of the deacons, took a Bible, and he took me off in a little Sunday school room. And he took that Bible, and he showed me how to be saved. And I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And He changed my life completely. He did exactly what He promised. He gave me eternal life. I know with 100% surety that if I died this very moment, before my body would hit that floor, I'd be in heaven with the Lord Jesus. You can know that too. If you don't, I beg you. There are people that love you and they've asked you to come to this service to hear the Word of God. Maybe a spouse, maybe a parent has continued to bring you to church, hoping and praying one day that you would put your faith and trust in Christ. Today is that day. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Don't put it off. Don't play Russian roulette with the devil. He'll lie to you. You can trust God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know your heart. God does. And so do you. If you're not saved, if you're not sure that if you died today, whether you'd go to heaven, you say, Preacher, I'm concerned about my soul. I'm not sure that if I died today that I'd be in heaven with the Lord Jesus. I hope I would, but but I'm just not sure. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pray for me, Preacher. I want to know for sure. Just raise it up. I'll see it. You can take it right back down. Is there one? Just raise your hand. Pray for me, preacher. I, I need to be saved. I really do. I, I need Jesus Christ. I don't want to take a chance on dying and going to hell. Is there one? Just slip it up. I'll see it. You can take it right back down. I'll not embarrass you in any way. Christians, if this book is true, 
And the lost are dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. What are you doing about it? Are you taking this word of God, this message to your neighbor, to your friends, to your co-workers? Are you sharing that gospel with them so that they can have eternal life? If not, you are not right with God. Maybe you need to come and just kneel and say, God, please forgive me. Help me to do what's right that I might turn people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I don't know people's hearts, but you do. And you've offered salvation to these freely. If anyone wants to be saved, if they just step out, people will help them. They'll show them. I pray, God, that you would speak to their hearts and that you might call them before it's eternally too late. Lord, help them to examine themselves to see whether they be in the faith. And, Father, for Christians, that, God, that they would take this message so plain, so clear, and so needful to their family members, to their neighbors, to their co-workers. God, that you might set this church on fire for thee. Many are serving you, but many do not. I pray, God, that you would have your way in each heart this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? If God has spoken to your heart and you need to be saved, you need Jesus Christ as your Savior, you want eternal life, step out of your place and come. Let these men talk to you, show you from the Bible how you can be saved. Christians, maybe you need to come as well. Give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let Him serve, or let you serve Him with your life from this point on. Whatever it might be, as we sing, you come. Thank you for that message. And uh, as Christians, uh, we read the scripture, we need to examine ourselves. And uh, first thank the Lord that we have Jesus Christ in our hearts. Uh, but that uh, God a challenge today to spread the gospel. And uh, we hold the truth. Uh, in our hearts, but we also have to give it out. And I hope that tonight, this morning, that you make a recommitment and to continue to pray for those. We know many people, including our relatives and our loved ones, uh, that don't know Jesus Christ as our personal as their personal Savior, that we make a recommitment this morning to pray for them and to witness to them and uh, to seek the opportunity uh, to uh, have them to come to know Christ as their personal Savior. Thank you for that message, uh, Brother Senses. Well, we had a good uh, day in God's house.